Hello, and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, the show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. This week, we're looking inside the box at the inserts. What makes a good insert? When should you just toss it? Why do publishers make inserts that don't seem to fit the game or make no sense for storing the game? Oh, and we'll probably complain about boxes, too. But first, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, and The Gift of Games in Grays Lake, Illinois. You can find them at thegiftofgames.com. Also, thank you to our newest patron, Andrew Fayish, who I think is one of our oldest listeners that I know of that is still listening. Mm-hmm. And a huge... <laughs> what do you mean by um, oldest? I, Andrew, I believe, sent longest us email... Listening. <laughs> yeah, longest listening. Yeah, longest listening. I think episode five or six, we got an email from him like mm-hmm. that, that early. Uh, so thank you, Andrew. And thank you to all of our other patrons as well. And a reminder... Uh, we are on Zoom right now, so if you want to join us live, go to tabletopgametalk.com slash live. Well, as you're listening to this, you will just see today's information because I'm terrible at updating that. But every Monday <laughs> at 8.30, usually 8.25 I update it, but 8.30 you will um, – Central time. <laughs> Central time. You will be able to join us on Zoom if you would like. So uh, New Year's Eve, I know what Kitty was doing. We were watching Star Wars and the Death Star blow up. <laughs> Um, Fletcher, what were you doing on New Year's Eve? Um, what was I doing? I was watching. I don't even remember because I was watching his Dark Materials. Ah, what did you think about it? I was watch. I was watching his Dark Materials because um, Carmen bought the books and started reading through the books and wanted to watch the series again. And um, she put she put the series on starting from you know season one episode one and. Fell asleep. She was like asleep <laughs> by ten. And I tried rousing her, but she was like, "Nope, I'm asleep." <laughs> that um, sounds lovely. <laughs> so I, I just let her sleep, and she just kept on like you know sleeping on the couch. I woke her up like ten seconds to midnight. We kissed. She fell right back to sleep. <laughs> so and that's pretty much what happened. Yeah, I mean, they could you could have worse, which is actually like pretty typical for Carmen. But um, she is not a big New Year's person. <laughs> And uh, would rather sleep than stay up. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't say that's the worst way to spend New Year's Eve. It's it's a fine way. Also, his Dark Materials. So this is the HBO show is what we're talking about. And the Golden Compass is the first yeah. book in the trilogy. So if you haven't, if you don't know it by his Dark Materials, that's what it is. Um, I'm Philip Pullman, I think. Yes, is the author. that is the author. Yeah. But it's a good series. Uh, the first movie they it's made, a fine I actually. series. <laughs> yeah. I liked the movie. Um, they never made the second or third movie. The series is better because they can obviously spend more time with the characters. And I like the fixes they're doing to the books. Um, yeah, because the books are meh, in my uh, opinion. Yeah, the, I, I've said this before. The, I don't know if I've said it on air or not, but the third book was the most infuriating thing I'd ever read in my life and <laughs> continues to be. It is the worst thing I have ever ever read it just <laughs> angered me so much um but the series is doing a much better job at setting up the third season where the book series the first and second books had nothing to do with the third one like everything just came out of left field so i think they're doing a good job there um and it's a good it's like a little a cool little fantasy series uh it's worth watching but yeah i um let's see what else did i do this like i got rid of my game room so i no longer have a game room but I sort, I did, I did. 
Um, I sold it for, well, I sold it. You go into Sims <laughs> building mode and just like get rid of it. Demo so it. I have a separate room in my house. One of the reasons we bought the house is that we have this room. When you first walk in the door to the right, there's a room with like glass French doors, which they were in a library, but we're like, this will make the perfect game room. So we have a gaming table in there. We have built-in shelves that we put all the games on. But we're redoing our basement so that we can have a play space for the kids. And in prep for that, I cleaned the basement and brought a bunch of toys down there. Well, they're going to start working on it in a couple weeks. And I'm like, okay. So now he's used to going downstairs and playing downstairs. And I'm going to say, no, you can't do that. But where am I going to put all this stuff? So I converted the game room into a playroom which I had reservations for because I don't really want him to have the habit that that's his room to play in because it will become a game room again. But so far, he's just so excited about it because there's a TV on the wall in there and he just wants to go in there and play with the remote all the time. And uh, yeah, it was worth it. It's cool. I like it, sort of. It's going to change back, though. It's also Becca's room now, too. So it's, it's yeah, making it a dual purpose thing. It's all good, Sorry though. if you all just heard my husband sneeze. He's very loud. <laughs> He's like four rooms away from me, and I still got startled by his sneeze. Uh, actually, <laughs> I, I did hear him sneeze. I just didn't actually apply that to sound to anything human. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so I make fun of his loud sneezes like all the time. And he was telling one of his coworkers one time, he's like, yeah, my wife is like, he sneezed so loud. His coworker's like, that's so weird. What a weird complaint. And then like later a few days you know he sneezed and his coworkers like yeah your wife is right <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um we have some podcast announcements to make uh more are actually pre-announcements because we're they won't be starting today <laughs> but they'll be starting we're announcing soon. some announcements <laughs> we're announcing some announcements so for christmas sydney decided to get us a new logo for the podcast because even though Fletcher's been on the podcast for like, I don't know, a couple of months now. A year. His image. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Um, the image on our, our logo is still Josh. Now, for the most part, nobody cares because, you know, you're, you don't know what we look like in person unless you're in our live audience. TabletopGameTalk.com slash live. Um, but uh, she went out and she got some artwork commission to redo the logo. And I like that logo quite a bit, but we have to do some edits on it because um, I I don't necessarily look exactly like me and you guys look pretty good, but so we're going to do some edits for there, but there's also, yeah, she I did made a second Sydney go back and put my new haircut on. <laughs> yeah. But she also did a backup logo, which she says she literally calls the backup logo, which I kind of like too. So I think what we're going to do is I'm going to have, I'm going to put it up on Twitter and have people vote on the one they like the best. And if that agrees with what I want, then we'll use it. <laughs> You're such a stinker. What? So, well, I'm curious because when I, so as I started looking at the backup ones, I'm like, wow, this one's actually, these aren't actually that bad. I kind of like this with some minor edits again, but I like them both now. So I'm like, the backup one is, is, it's just like, think of it as like option A and option yes. B. <laughs> it's not really a backup. It was backup for her because she had commissioned one and then went out and got a second one because she wasn't sure the first one was going to be done in time. So for her, she called it the backup one. So that's going to be coming. Um, I had, we've had a couple of people mentioned, hey, you know, you guys should update your logo because it's, you know, Josh isn't on the show anymore. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I know. Um, Christopher's asking <laughs> in chat whether or not we'll have two new t-shirts. 
Um, maybe. There's actually a strong possibility, because I think these logos might look good on t-shirts. We might do a little more like a pocket logo as opposed to a full front logo, but we'll we'll definitely look into t-shirts. I also want to um, get the t-shirts printed in a different place. So anyway, all I of that is coming. I don't know if you knew this, Chris, now. <laughs> uh, that's what my sister does now for a living, so you should talk to Anne. Oh, well then. I think I think Terrence might actually no Terrence does some kind of printing, um, and then Sydney has a fr- the her one of her friends owns Off World Designs too. So yeah, we have some. I don't have to go out to like you know custom. <laughs> we don't have to yeah <laughs> to do this. I can use some of our inter- internal contacts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- so that's one thing that's coming up in 2021. This is the first episode of 2021, so I think it's appropriate to you know announce these things here. The second one. So Gen Con didn't happen this year. I don't know if any, or well, last year. Um, I don't know if anyone <laughs> noticed that or not. And my basement is getting overflowed with games that I would normally give away at Gen Con. And it hit me this week that we should do more giveaways because people love giveaways. So this <laughs> is what I'm going to do. Um, it, and it's going to be kind of tricky, but at least because I'm going to bring back the once a month thing. Now, I cannot officially say that Patreon's um, members get random entries into drawings because that almost got me in trouble. Well, it did get me in trouble last time with Patreon. So um, that will not be on any Patreon reward anywhere. However, patrons get extra entries into all of our contests. That's just a unspoken spoken rule. But unwritten spoken rule? It's an, un- <laughs> yeah, it's an unwritten rule. <laughs> unwritten spoken rule. Um so, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to gather a list of not all of my games, but the games that are ready to be gotten, to move on to better homes. And each month, <laughs> I am, at least each month, it might even be more often than that. Um, Christopher asked if I'm going to do another Home Depot moving box giveaway. No, but close. Each month or every other week or something along those lines, um, I am going to draw someone. And if you're a patron, you will automatically be entered every single time. If you're not, I got to figure out a way of doing that because I, I don't want this. I, this is not behind a paywall or anything like that. I just need to figure out a good mm-hmm. way to do that. Um, but I'm going to draw a name and then you will have until the next episode it, or records to pick a game from the list. Now, here's the caveat. The game is free. It's a giveaway, but you do have to pay shipping. So that means I will ship it anywhere in the world if you're willing to pay shipping for it. But that's <laughs> that's the deal is you'll have to pay shipping. Uh, typically in the U.S., that's going to be somewhere between $10 and $20. And overseas, it could be upwards of $70 to $150. So um, make sure you really want the game. And yeah, so that's what we're going to do. And I just actually, it just came to me. I think what I'm going to do is if you want to be part of this giveaway and you want a single entry into the contest, all you need to do is email me once. Email me once saying, hey, I want to be part of the 2021 giveaways and you will get one entry for the entire year. You don't have to email me every single time or anything like that. If you're a patron, the number of entries is equal to your level. Um, and then, yeah, you won't be able to win twice. One one winner per and that's that's my announcement of the giveaways. What do you think? You got this is the first time you guys have heard about this because I literally just came up with this <laughs> earlier today. Lots of thumbs up. <laughs> <All on right. laughs> Excellent. All right. 
It's a win-win for us all. Now I just have to make sure I'm ordering enough games so I have enough boxes to ship the old games out in. <laughs> it's a vicious cycle. <laughs> all right. Speaking of boxes and games and stuff, let's talk about inserts. Kitty, you inspired... Well, you picked this topic, I read topic, the tweet I that inspired yes. this topic. <laughs> so I saw somebody on Twitter was complaining... I don't know if I should call out the games because I've never played either of these games or tried to mess with their inserts. But there were two games that he had pictures of that said he enjoyed playing these games, except the inserts were so bad, he thought about never opening them again. He was thinking of moving them out of his collection because the inserts were bad. And Okay, hold on. Before before we go further, (laughs) what, what is an insert? Like... So when you open when the it, box, when it comes to these games, <laughs> when you open the box, yeah, um, there's like the plastic tray piece that like has like the little okay. holes in it. Like you know, there's oftentimes like there's the ones that are shaped for dice, and then there's like if there's a it's token like the, bin the or thing card that holder. holds the components. Oh, man, I'm like so close to my God. games, I could just hold one up for you, <laughs> but. uh I think Got Michael it's, might it's be the, grabbing. It's the molded plastic that holds all the, all bits. the game components. Yes. Yep. Sometimes Got they're it. plastic. Okay. Sometimes they're cardboard. Sometimes they don't exist, but usually they do in modern right. hobby games. Sorry if my dog is growling. You're saying oddly. inserts. Like these inserts are so bad. Let's talk about game inserts. I'm like, so talking about like the little flyers that sometimes they put into the games. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was I was confused. This is why you're in the show, so you could ask the questions that we take for granted. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Now go back to being quiet. I'm like, we're gonna do a whole, we're gonna do a whole topic on marketing material that Simon throws in. Simon's a great one. Talk about that. that. They sell about other Simon games. But Michael's showing us an insert right now, which is actually a pretty nice one. Um, This one has. Different yes. individual trays, and each tray has a cover. <laughs> well, at least the miniatures tray has a cover on it. And if it's... I'm unfamiliar with the game, but it looks like each of the little trays that pull out are like a player tray. So you can give each player one of these trays. And there, yep, there's the yellow color. And then each person has everything they need in front of them. And there you go. This insert is good. Oh, and then underneath it has all the little meeples and tokens that go in. So the insert doubles as a player aid and player organization. These types of inserts I enjoy. These types of inserts are one in a hundred, I would say. Yeah. If that. That's probably less. Yeah. It's it's very uncommon. But when they do, when they are in there, they're great. Um I think that, and like, there's so many things that they can do with inserts. So there's, we'll talk about three versions of inserts. Well, sort of three. The one is the no insert, um, <laughs> which is why it's sort of three. Then, so essentially, what happens here is that's a deck yeah. Of cards. Well, it, this is relatively rare where you have no insert at all, but. Uh, say you have a lot of token sheets or something like that, where it's just piled up with like toy tiles and tokens and stuff. Oftentimes that'll fill the entire box. They'll put other components and decks of cards in there. And then they'll put a bunch of baggies in there and the baggies are immense. So you can like rebag things and put them in there. Um, Steve says that terraforming Mars had no inserts. So, which that makes sense. Now the second one, which is almost a no insert is the, uh, what was referred to as the well. 
So this is one where it's just kind. It's a cardboard, a cardboard Death Star Valley, I guess. Um, I, we just watched Star Wars, so. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it just basically what? pads the box, and the only thing that any components are put in there is in the middle of the trench in the middle of of the uh, box. Typically, these are meant to be thrown out. You can keep them. Um, they oftentimes have neat artwork on them, but really they're just cardboard. Recycle them. Then you have the third kind, which is the vacuum, um, vacuum formed inserts that you consider plastic. Now, these come in yeah. three forms of their own. So these are sub forms. <laughs> they're the useless vacuum inserts, which have wells and divots and separators that do, that do not belong to the game whatsoever. Um, I think this is the one where the tweet kind of, said, hey, I need to know what goes where. If you don't know what goes where, it's, it's not bad. an insert. Yeah, it's not an insert <laughs> worth keeping. Just toss it. Take it out, and you can recycle that too. It is fine. Just because it's molded doesn't mean you need to keep it. The second one, which is a big step up, is the one that actually you know fits the game. And oftentimes, we'll have tops on them and stuff like that. Michael just, what he was showing us was some, something like that. Actually, this were almost that one's sort of a 2.5. But these ones are inserts that really do work well. The real problem with them is as long as they're sitting flat. If you ever turn the game sideways, <laughs> insert be damned, it's not going to work out for you. And then the 2.5 is those with some lids, but the lids are just kind of like set on there. And then the th- number three version, and these are the only inserts worth keeping, in my opinion, almost universally. There's a couple exceptions, but almost universally is Gamer Trace. Those inserts <laughs> are the premium of the premium, the top of the tier. Every game that has gamer trays in it is well thought out, has clicking tops that snap into place. Everything that every tray in there is has a purpose and a and a reason for existing in gameplay, not only in storage. And it's just a joy to play a game with gamer trays. I am not affiliated <laughs> with gamer trays. But when a game says He's they're just using gamer really trays, passionate about gamer I, I am, trays. Yeah, I am so more likely to back a game that says gamer trays on it than I'm not. And I'm likely to back a lot of games, but that's still <laughs> I love gamer trays. So So Christopher Dong, uh he he wrote uh, what about the ones that fit almost all the game components? And this is the one that I find all the time. Like <laughs> when I when I got um Viticulture, it's like, hey, Here's a gate. Here's the tray. Here's the insert that fits ninety percent of all the components that you have, but there's not room for the really other ten percent. So you just kind of have to mix it in somewhere. I hate that so much. Yep. What you do? My is you pick them up biggest... and you throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> My biggest frustration is the ones where like I'm sorting the pieces out and like punching everything out, and I like think I have it. I'm like, oh, this is clearly designed. These pieces go here. These pieces go here. And I have it done to 95% when I realize that there's the 5% that doesn't fit anywhere. And it's like the worst. Like if you can look and see like, oh, there's five wells and six colors like right away. Like, okay, just throw that out, whatever. But when it's like, oh, there's like nine different boxes and a whole bunch of different components and you don't realize until you've started sorting them that it's too late it's it's the worst yeah and again you take those inserts and you throw them out it is the (laughs) the best thing you can do with an insert in most cases unless it's gamer trays is throw it out 
Just throw them out. Because what they're doing is they're taking up a whole lot of space. They're not going to fit. Steve just mentions the inserts that fit the cards fine until you put sleeves on them. And then it doesn't work. Half this, I mean, that's an entire another episode, sleeve your cards or not. But if you sleeve them, they should fit in the in the box. They should just do that. So, yeah. Now, gamer trays, they will fit <laughs> sleeve cards. Why? Because they're made by gamers. I The sleeves have, like, they know. Ah, okay. All right. Calming down for a second. <laughs> hmm. I just got, um, good story. I just got anachrony, which is uh, the anachrony fractures in time expansion. I think I talked about that last week. And I got the infinity box. The infinity box is twice as tall as the base box. And it includes custom modular trays. So each player gets their own tray. Um, All of the cards have a place. All the expansions have a place. All of this stuff is very well thought out. The expansion material is a few um, pieces of cardboard and some tokens. Would have easily fit in my original box with my original storage method. I spent three and a half hours putting everything into their proper trays and putting everything into the infinity box, which now takes up twice as much space on my shelf for one extra expansion. And I don't know that I can ever open that box again because it's a jigsaw puzzle. It it has an eight-page instruction book on how to use the trays, which I guess is good. (laughs) But at the same time, it's an eight-page instruction book on how to use the trays. So I'm, I'm torn on this. I mean, with your disdain for rule books, I would think that this would just break your heart to have an extra rule book on how to use the tray. Yeah. Well, there's four other rule books that came with the with the expansion too, because they're all updated and oh my the goodness. story guide and the expansion rule books. <laughs> and yeah. Now I love this game. I really do. And I really want the insert to make the game more playable. Uh there's two other games I'll talk about that do, but This one, I'm not sure if it does. I haven't thrown out the original box yet because I may throw out the infinity box with all the storage trays to go back to my original storage method, which was everything in a baggie, a labeled baggie that I could just pull out and everything fit in a small box and I didn't need a tray and it didn't matter if the cards and sleeves on them or not because they would still fit. That's how you should store 90% of your games. All right, I'm going to pause again. Fletcher, save me. (laughs) Um, I was looking at, so you keep calling it gamer trays, yes. but I think the actual company is called game trays. Yes, 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 yes. Um, uh, cause I was kind of confused trays with and I went on here and they have one for terraforming Mars and I'm like, okay, this looks, uh, this looks kind of nice in a sticker sheet too. Yeah. A lot of, um, I wish they had one from other game. I mean, it looks like they have a ones for like a few different games, but not a lot. Yeah. So what game trays? Unless, unless you happen to. Yeah. What game trays does is they typically partner with you, um, oftentimes with Kickstarters, and they will make a custom insert set for your game. Uh, sometimes they'll do third-party aftermarket stuff. It's it's relatively rare though, and they have some just miscellaneous like component trays that you can get from them as well. But it's just there's something to be said for well thought out trays. And I, I mean, even like the vacuum formed trays, the plastic inserts, those are not cheap to make. If you're going to do it, put some thought into how the game 
tray works. Because I don't think a lot of the game designers or developers or publishers really put too much, they have to have an insert, but I don't think they put too much time into saying, is this going to help make the game easier? Um, Christopher mentions, if if the actually John mentions this, if the game insert doesn't shorten setup time, then it's not worth having. If it makes mm-hmm. it more complicated. And I'll, I'll even take it the other way. If it creates it just a barrier of putting away time, then it's not worth it. The the Gloomhaven. <coughs> um, the only time I think it's worth it, even if it might take a little bit longer, is if it is like protecting fragile pieces. So there are some games, and like I don't own very many of these games because they're usually miniatures games, which you know how I feel about them, but. If they've got like little tiny arms or something sticking off of them, if they have the insert so that, you know, you don't snap off everyone's sword as you put them away, uh, you don't have to worry about them getting like tumbled around. Those ones are worth it a little bit to me, even if it takes a little bit longer to put it away than it would just sweep everything in a bag. Yeah. Well, that makes me think of Broken Token, which is a company that exists for replacing inserts. I was just going to say, so you have all this note that you, all the, all these notes you made, and it's so funny to me because you didn't include Broken Token, which I already have pulled up and was going to talk about, because one of my favorite things that you ever got for me was the Broken Token inserts for my Wingspan game. And it is beautiful. Everything fits just right. And it's funny because... Like Wingspan's original components were so close to being good, but it never quite fit in the box in an intuitive way. They even have like instructions on how you're supposed to put these things away in the box. And I it always felt like everything was just like seconds away from getting mashed into bits. I don't know, <laughs> like nothing quite fit for me. I don't know if this is just my experience, but John is nodding. So that makes me feel better. so with the broken token insert everything fits and stacks beautifully but it took forever to put it together these are made of like balsa wood and it is like nine pages of instructions to put it together but you only have to do it one time it's not like each use you have to do this it's one time you assemble it and it was kind of a fun little project i really took it probably more seriously than i should have one time while Like, I was like, oh, I'll do this while I'm playing the game. And then it turned into like nine hours later. (laughs) I have it completed. (laughs) So the Gloomhaven broken token insert fits in the Gloomhaven box and it fits everything in it. Um, That insert costs $80. The game costs $100. Like, does it make the game easier to play, easier to set up, easier to tap down? Absolutely, for sure. It also takes you about 12 hours to put it together. And then... Gloomhaven doesn't really have the expansion problem because its expansions are ridiculous. Although I guess it does because there was an <laughs> expansion that wouldn't fit in there with the new broken token. But like when you get the expansions to Wingspan, now your broken token insert overflows and it doesn't fit anymore. So then you have to start making tough decisions like, oh man, I had this one single box with this awesome insert, but then I have this expansion. And you start looking at the expansion, you start hating the expansion. You start wishing the expansion didn't exist <laughs> because where am I going to put you? I want to put you with your, you know, your parent game. But if I do that, then this insert that I love doesn't work anymore. So I can pretend you don't exist, but then I have an incomplete game. And that's just agony. That's all I have to say. It's agony. You need another box <laughs> <You> to <too. laughs> box. So, so what, 
We've talked before about your preferred methods of storing games, Chris. Have you changed your mind in any way recently about storing your games? Have you have you been doing things differently? Or no. do you just throw out all inserts and put everything in bags? So most of the time, again, 90% of the games, and it's probably a real number, so 9 out of 10 games, I will toss the insert, um, put it in 4 mil bags, because I... They just feel sturdier to me, and you can get them in bulk, and they're pretty cheap. And then I will label them with a black Sharpie, what goes in each bag. Um, Each player gets a set of components inside of their player bag. And then, depending on how the game sets up and tears down, I'll divide the other components out accordingly. I can throw all of those into the box. The box can be in any angle, left, right, upside down, right, whatever. It doesn't matter. Everything is going to be fine. Um, For miniatures... I have larger, uh, not as thick bags, just two mil bags. And then I'll just put the entire clump of miniatures in there because miniatures actually protect themselves once they turn into a ball. Um, it's like the stray <laughs> miniatures that could be a problem. I don't shake the miniatures or anything like that, but they tend to be totally fine. And that's how I tend miniatures as packing. Yeah, basically, peanuts. yeah. And that tends to be how I have it. So in like Scythe, for example, Everything except for the Rise of Fenris expansion fits into my original Scythe box. So I don't I don't need the legendary box. I just have the Scythe box and the Rise of Fenris box. Um, and it works out just fine. Now, exceptions. Um, anything with gamer trays is an exception. Eclipse has gamer trays. The trays are part of the game. 100% never going to rework that. Um, what other exceptions are there? I can't think of anything. <laughs> I've never bought a broken token insert. Uh, I do have trays of like five by five uh, token trays. They're, they're war gamers use them for like their little, you know, quarter inch by quarter inch cardboard tokens. And I bought a bunch of these in bulk and they all have lids on them. So oftentimes if I have a game that has a lot of little tokens and markers, I'll use one of these and put it in the base of the box and that'll store my tokens so that when I play the game, I can just pull that out. And I do have um, like plastic token bins as well that will also store bigger tokens. But otherwise, no, it's mostly plastic bags. I don't use rubber bands. I know some people like rubber bands. Some people hate rubber bands. But I tend not to use rubber bands for anything. Um, I found yeah. if I'm going to use rubber bands... Um, I don't like to use the typical rubber bands that you think of. If you get the clear ones for your hair ties, they don't do as much damage. And when they get brittle, they don't like, because they also, if you don't like use them to realize, because they deteriorate and they'll like destroy your cards basically. And they'll like stick to them. So at least the clear ones don't stick. They just get brittle and break. Um, But yeah, I don't really use those for games that i care about i'll use them for like a deck of playing cards (laughs) yeah i will i have gone discount on a few games where i'm like eh, i don't really care so i'll just use a rubber band you know wrapped around twice or whatever and that's good enough for this game but there's very few games that are like that yeah the thing that i do like about bags is your ability to rearrange how you store it so we're getting some comments in the chat here about like building your own solutions you know using foam core stuff like that to build something 
out. But the thing about having them just in bags is you can decide like, oh, I'm going to sort things by piece type. Oh, I'm going to sort them by color. Oh, I'm going to give everyone a starting set. And you can rearrange that much easier than you would if you were building something to put in the box permanently. I Yes. Now, um, as you were saying that, John mentioned in chat two things that I did not think about. Well, one thing, and the other one made me think of the other. Um, there is a a company called Insert Here, and he does foam core and 3D printed inserts. I picked up one of each. So I picked up a foam core insert for um, Star Wars Rebellion, and I picked up a 3D printed insert for Maricabo. He assembles them. And I have to say, I was very impressed with what I received from him. And it's basically along the lines of the broken token side of stuff. Foam core is just like, you know, it's foam core board that's, you know, usually glued together in some way. And each one of these trays has their own organizers. Everything has a place. You put things where you need to go. And when you pull it out, everything is right where it is. Also, it fills the entire box. So once the box lid is on, everything holds everything else in place which I really like. And then the 3D printed stuff is similar to the foam core stuff. It's just made of plastic instead of, you know, well, 3D printed material instead of foam core material. So those ones I have tried as well. And I do like them if they're designed specifically for the game. We're st- I, we touched on the problem earlier, but I think we should probably talk about, well, no, I want to keep talking about foam core. Have you guys ever played around with foam core at all? <laughs> uh, not for games, uh, no. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> so foam core is cool. I got a hot glue gun one day and then I got a whole bunch of foam core board and I made inserts myself for uh, Mythic Battles Pantheon, which takes up five giant boxes and it's all miniatures. So I made foam core and foam core insert for all of these miniatures to contain them. So for people who are unfamiliar with foam court, this is the kind that's like um, when you think of a science fair project with the threefold poster board that stands up it's like the paper yeah. with the foam yeah, when you think of like a poster project yes. a poster it's board two project. poster boards with some foam in the middle i.e the core and this can be really cool because it doesn't add much weight you can do it yourself you can oftentimes get plans off the internet if you want to do it yourself and it's super cheap actually and like i don't know i think i made the huge inserts for mythic battles for it probably cost me a total of twenty dollars um, and that's because I needed to buy a glue gun on top of the hot glue. But if you already have that, then it's even cheaper. Um, but I, I like foam core and I think that I would do that more if I cared more, if my plastic bag system didn't work as well as it does. But when I have a lot of delicate miniatures, that's when I pulled it out for Mythic Battles Pantheon. So I was looking at, cause the one where this struck me the most was like Viticulture because I really like the game. I just got it. I played it a few times. I'm like, why didn't they just make it so like there's already insert here. Why didn't they make it so good. everything would fit nicely? <laughs> why didn't they make it good? I they, don't know. could have. <laughs> why didn't they make it good? The game is good. Why didn't they make the insert good? <clears throat> it's infuriating. So they have one on insert here. Yep. Um, for Viticulture, Essential Edition version 2, which is the version that I have. It looks great. Looks like it'll hold everything. It costs as much as the game does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's well, why he, they didn't make it good to begin with. And like, it's I get so it. Like, expensive. If, if this guy's making it by hand, he's making it by hand and assembles it for or, you. Or you know, it's it and assembling it by hand. Maybe he's doing all this himself. I don't even know if it's a he, but this person, um, you know, maybe this person is spending like a couple hours 
putting this together or an hour or whatever. And like, that's a fair price. It's 40 bucks. Like, yeah, that's a fair price. But like, it's hard for me to justify that cost. Yeah. <laughs> when the game itself, I paid like $45 for the game. Mm-hmm. Yep. And most inserts, especially inserts that are made for you, are in that range. I had no problem spending $40 on the insert for Star Wars Rebellion because that's a huge game. And it does speed up the setup and tear down time of that game. Um, and, and it's a guy and his family that do it, but I, but typically I don't buy them. And now you can get plans. You can go out there and say, you know, I want to, if you Google foam core plan for viticulture, you'll find them. You'll find several of them. Um, you can get 3D models. Right. Of, but at that point, it's like $45 and, yes. you know, how, how many hours of your time and how many hours going to the store and assembling this and how many versions do you have to make to actually like make yep. it work? Because I can just see myself the first time putting this together. It doesn't fit in the <laughs> box. <laughs> like, like I, you need a cutting people, mat, you know, me- measured once. You need a cutting Some mat, a metal ruler. Doing this. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But it has to be something that is, it has to be something that you enjoy. You shouldn't make your own inserts if you don't enjoy that part of the hobby. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this before, you know, things you can enjoy as a hobby with not playing yeah. the game. And I mean, I enjoy just making things. So when I did my insert, if you look at the very first box, that insert was horrible. By the fifth box, I'm like, oh, I have this down. And I didn't have a plan or anything. I just kind of, I made the insert as I was going. And I learned different techniques as I was going. But it took me two and a half weeks. Like, I was working on this thing a couple hours a day for two and a half weeks before it was finally done. And then once it was done, I, everything was neatly packed away. And I felt like I didn't want to disrupt it. So now it's peaceful in the corner, all <laughs> nicely organized. But it could be easily played. Like, it is It is set up in a, in a way where I could pull it out and play it. The 3D printed ones, I think, are the nice compromise, though. Um, <laughs> what you want to do there is if you have a 3D printer or access to a library, because oftentimes libraries will have 3D mm-hmm. printers and you only pay by the material ounce, um, you can get plans and print out entire inserts for your favorite game. And you'll pay something for the plans, but it's, you know, in the range of 5 to $15. And then whatever the material is, and you get a nice custom insert, and you don't have to do much work at all if if that's what you're going for. I still don't have a 3D printer, but one of these days I will, and I'll print inserts. My dad maybe. is constantly plugging his library's 3D printer service. Check it out if your library has one. Yeah. I think that li- the, most of the librarians just like to play with it, so like they're totally into like oh hey yes totally we'll do this with you <laughs> like yeah. so we have a 3d printer and we have a, a laser cutting machine too that you mm-hmm. can that one's free you just well i think material you still have to pay for like the sheet of wood or whatever but yeah they'll just it's like yep free to use just here you go come on in play i'm like that is amazing and then a pandemic hit after i figured that out but i know <laughs> these are options um Biggest downsides to inserts, especially the custom ones, though, I mentioned earlier, is expansions. You have this perfect custom insert, and then an expansion comes out. And sometimes... You just have to wait long enough I, that's, <laughs> until the expansion comes out, and then you get the insert that handles both yeah. of them. Or you have an insert that can handle expansions, uh, but oftentimes third parties can't do that because they don't know what's coming up. Sometimes first mm-hmm. parties will do that. Uh, the Trove Chess for Too Many Bones... I consider this an insert. It's actually a storage replacement, but it's an insert. But they planned out, here's how many more things will fit in this box. 
So you can be assured that at some point they're going to come because they're going to come. But most inserts are not going to do that. And you are, I don't know. That's why I like the gamer trays again, because again, that's first party as opposed to third party, usually. And they just, when when an expansion comes out, they give you new gamer trays. It's so beautiful. Game trays. There's no R. Every time. <laughs> We're going to give Game you trays. like a rubber band to snap your wrist. <laughs> Game trays. The Z. <laughs> um, so the other thing you'll see with uh, games with expansions, I've seen more and more games doing this. Uh, especially on Kickstarter, is you can choose to, if you have the base game and you're getting the expansion, you can get just the expansion or you can get the expansion plus a big box. Yes. And the big box comes sometimes with custom insert that is meant to fit the base game plus this expansion and possibly future expansions. But usually it's just for this one, but the box is big enough that you'll keep being able to expand into it. I, I don't know. I just recently backed my first one of these for Windward. I, I just don't know if it's going to be worth it. I already have some frustration with the Windward, like, if you put a piece in, like, five degrees off from where it wants to be, nothing fits and everything is terrible. Um, if I remember correctly, if- the Windward box, though, the replacement one, is game trays. So <sighs> now I'm going to have to I- go look. I think you will be Own very pleased with it. Because I, I almost backed so, this but because then I'm of like, Escape Trace. <laughs> you have such a problem. <laughs> I do. I like a nicely organized game. I think you might like this, though. But you are right. A lot of games will do this. I think expansions should come, if they know the expansion is not going to fit in the base box, the expansion should come in a box that will fit the base game. Like, just port it over the other way. Um, you know, I shouldn't need... Well, so Root is a is a culprit. I love Root. It's great. The app is amazing. I played I've played Root two dozen times in the past month because of the stupid app. But my, the game on my <laughs> shelf, I have to have all three boxes because it is impossible. The game exactly fits the components inside of it, and the expansions simply do not fit all in one thing. So you have to keep all the boxes. And their next Kickstarter, they've already confirmed that they're not going to do a big box, which I would love to see for Root because Root's already a small box. Just give me a normal size box and I can fit everything. But no, um, hopefully they change their minds because Kickstarter's not here yet, so we don't know. But yeah, I would be looking forward to a bigger box for Root. Did you find out yet, Kitty? It does look, it looks like it might be Game Trays. I can't, I don't see it tagged here anywhere. If it, yeah, if it doesn't say Game Trays, it's not. Um, I, I'm just trying to scroll really quickly, so it might yeah. have said it somewhere. Yeah, but there's it a does couple... have the molded plastic. They've got the lids that look like they snap. And I'm very excited to see it has the uh, player boards ready to go. It's six individual player trays as opposed to what it has now is not that, which is very <laughs> frustrating. Yeah, yeah. And it has I honestly... like the little marketplace is like at a 45 degree angle. So everyone at the table can see it looks great. Yeah. When you have, like, Wingspan did this too, right? The components, the setup components were part of, at least where the card holder is, right? The top of the lid mm-hmm. of the cards. When your storage system incorporates into the game, that's impressive. I like to see that. I like when the, the publisher, and it's usually the publisher because they're the ones paying for the components, when they put the thought into making sure that this game functions well for setup and teardown as well as play. 
The only problem I had with Wingspan was there's no designated place to discard the cards. So either that or you are supposed to like pile up the cards taller than the tray is itself <laughs> in one of them to then discard in the other. It's like it, I have it's, two draw piles and one discard. So good. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you're supposed to have two draw piles and then the draw pile of bonus cards, but I never use it for the bonus cards because I'd rather have the discards going there because there's not that many bonus cards until you start adding the expansions and then there's cards everywhere and it's just a mess. (sighs) I doubt we'll see a a Wingspan big box either, mostly because I don't think that the Scythe big box did very well because although the box would fit everything... The inserts inside of it were just flimsy cardboard boxes, which were not satisfying. They were not worth spending whatever amount it is. Because boxes are expensive. Like, boxes and mm-hmm. inserts are probably... If I'm if I'm using prices from, like, the Game Crafter when I'm putting a game together, the box is half the cost of the game. Now, I can't imagine that the box and insert combined for many, many games is anything less than the rest of the game combined. It's just what manufacturing is and shipping and size and all of that. So when you are making a game, is it that much more important to have the like standard size box? Does that sell better than having a smaller size box? Is the smaller size box cheaper? Like what is it? Because there's so many times where you open the gigantic box and think this could have fit into a box a third of the size. Yep. Now, (laughs) <laughs> and and that's 100%. Um, <clears throat> this is different than the potato chip problem. And I, and I do want to vent out potato <laughs> chips right now. The air in a bag of chips is not them it trying to rip you chips. off. It protects the chips. If there was no yes. air there, you would just have crumbs. You would just open crumbs. up crumbs. <laughs> now, that is not why big boxes have three decks of cards in them for board games. For that, it's shelf space. It's protecting the cards. <laughs> it's protecting the cards. <laughs> Otherwise, you just end up with confetti. <laughs> That's exactly it. Oh, my gosh. This reminds me of something completely unrelated. I washed a board book. There was a board book folded up in a towel, and it went through my washer, and it turned into, like, literal confetti, and it's just the worst. R.I.P. <laughs> silly lullaby. My laundry was ruined. It was terrible. Um, and now the word confetti is extremely triggering. <laughs> Well, I will tell you this. If those three decks of cards were in a smaller box, they wouldn't turn into confetti. But <laughs> they wouldn't be as visible on the shelf for one thing. So having a box, like the standard 11 and a half by 11 and a half inch by whatever high, um, if that is standard, it's only standard because Calyx fits it nicely. But um, those boxes are ideal to sell a game that makes people think, hey, I have value in this game. Um, like Dominion, for example. You open up Dominion, it's, you know, four shrink wrap decks of cards, but it's still in a foot by foot big box. And all of the expansions are the exact same way, and they all have the same number of cards in them. But you have to do that for basically marketing more than anything else. Um, if you got Dominion and it was just, you know, a double wide deck of cards, that game wouldn't be nearly as good because people would think of it as a card game at that point versus a board game. When you think of flux, you don't think of, you know, board game with flux. You think of card game. Why? Because it comes in a card game size box. So I think that's a big reason. The insert there is meant to just take up space so that, you know, those pieces aren't floating around, especially the trench inserts. 
Because some of them, like, if you didn't have that trench insert, you would just pick up the box and they're like, thunk, thunk. Like, yeah. <laughs> who would buy this thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's when you just use my stopping method. you from realizing how little is in there. Yeah. When you, when you use my method and you throw out the inserts and you put everything else in, in plastic bags, um, it's amazing how many games fit in like one fifth of the box. And I think but, we talked about this in um, our episode about traveling with games. So if you are interested in how we can fit like a bazillion games to go on a cruise into like one duffel bag, Chris has like an entire episode on that before his wedding. Yeah, because yep, you just pack them all, pack games inside of each other. It works out just fine. Until so. you forget that a game is inside another game and then you don't unpack it. And then on your shelf later, you're like, huh, where did that go? And then you go to open the other game like three years later. You're like, oh, there it is. But if you're Chris, you already bought another copy of that game. I that's that has happened. Um, I just <laughs> recently found The King's Dilemma because The King's Dilemma was inside of One Week Werewolf. And until I was opening up One Week Werewolf to put back some components that I found just miscellaneously lying in the game room. I'm like, oh, <laughs> there's The King's Dilemma. So I pulled that out and then I had to go track down The King's Dilemma box, which I look inside of that and it's empty. And I'm like, huh, Okay. This was uh, good advice at the time. <laughs> so my new advice is do exactly that, but then put a sticky note outside of the box saying what games are inside of it so that you know <laughs> what games are inside of it. But all right. Anything else to say on inserts? Because I think I've slammed them pretty hard. Um, moral of the story, just throw them out <laughs> unless it's game trays. Yeah, I think I think, so. I think we've covered it all. Um, game trays, great. Other inserts, bad Games are not potato chips. Yeah. Michael mentions that if there is a component tray and stuff, there should be a guide. I like the ones that are on the side of the box. Here's a picture of how to put things back, and it's just, like, on the box. Delightful. You you sh- yeah. You shouldn't need an eight-page guide. Uh, Michael's showing us a one-page how to put back Perfect. together. Beautiful. Like, that's all good. Um, yeah. Publishers do better. Although inserts <laughs> are just crazy expensive. Actually... I'll add one more thing. So Stephen Bonacore, he has a podcast called um, Board Game Insider. He was president of Stronghold Games. He's now retired. But the insert question came up. And the reason why he doesn't do anything with inserts is because he says gamers are almost always unhappy with them. They almost always end up in the trash. And they cost a fortune and would increase the price of the game if you did a a better insert. So I guess it's a chicken and egg thing. You know, if Mm -hmm. I spend... Would I spend an extra $10 to get a good insert that I will have a 90% more chance of using? Me, personally, sure. Lots of people, probably not. Um, although I will say Stronghold Games, in general, does not have the best track record for making games that have nice storage ability Are and usable? component quality and things like that. But, yeah. My hot take em- for this episode. <laughs> empty box, just fine. <laughs> So, but inserts are expensive, and that's why publishers don't do it. Kickstarters can get away with it because they know exactly how much money they're going to make and what those print runs mm-hmm. are, and they don't have to like overextend. Um, and oh, we didn't even talk about Simon. Simon's, um, they don't make inserts, they make packing material. Never ever try to put Simon <laughs> miniatures back into their container unless you immediately like. If you take out the trays, look at the bottom of the miniatures, write down the number on each of the trays so you can like piece it back together that way, you could do it. But it's not an insert. It's just packing material, and it's a pain. <laughs> Throw it in a plastic bag. Seamon minis are very durable. Okay. 
Let's um, go to the credits and then we'll talk some D&D post credits. All right. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. If you'd like to follow us on social media, the links for Facebook and Twitter are in our show notes. Want to watch us record live? You can find a link for that in our show notes, too. Comments or questions? Email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. If you'd like to be one of these wonderful people, you can find out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the Support Us link. And there's a link in the show notes, too. Uh, I'm watching Chris fiercely edit the <laughs> I know. names, so I'm waiting to I read added them. Andrew's name to the list is all I did. <laughs> I'm done. done. You can go now. Okay. Finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons. Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, The Gifted Games, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Jeremy Fisher, Terrence Miltner, Sean Peck, Christopher Dong, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Brian Arnold, Michael Janikowski, David Sellers, David Rank, Jason Marks, Ann Reynolds, Christopher Letgo, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholst, Joe Rackstad, Witherman Keith, Paul Raymer, Andrew Fayash? I say I say Fayish. Fayish. Okay. Andrew Fayish. Jimothy, Ben Gary, Matthew Droke, David Rank, Christopher Comstock, Jerry Wong, C. Marie, Justin Willard, Jason Rodney, Cindy Lum, Eric Kaufman, Adrian Dog, Faz Flintham, Eric Selander, Glenn Cotter. John Williams, Sir Sully, Sean P. Kelly, Mike Smith, Caleb O'Brien, Don Gilstrap, Aaron Moore, Ron Nelson, Agnes Toth, Charles Pearson, Jesse Wheeler, and Ronald Roy. And Andrew, if I'm saying your last name wrong, let me know. But thank you to anyone who's ever been a patron. (laughs) Thank you for your support. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. All right, so Kitty, I'm going to try and edit out as much of Player 4 as I can, but <laughs> she's <luck>. still adorable. <laughs> the dog was worse. I sent you a timestamp for the dog barking. <laughs> I, I have a timestamp for that at Firsties. I'm just going to be up all night. But let's talk about some D&D, because um, speaking of temperamental girls, um, there was no combat this week. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was no combat this week. There were a lot of... Um, can we do a this check kind of questions? Yeah. Um, so, I really liked, does my horse speak celestial? <laughs> that was a good question <laughs> that came up. <laughs> so you guys basically came back from wiping out the orcs and killing the dragon. And now we're hanging out in the town and the townsfolk are like, you're our heroes. And they didn't expect you to come back. So it took them a couple days to get you your reward. Um, yeah, they Spencer didn't expect us to kill doing... every single orc in the dungeon, which, like, I don't know. Have they even played D&D before, these villagers? Everything is dead. Everything. <laughs> Everything is dead. <laughs> we burned down the mountain. Even the troglodytes. Those are dead, too. <laughs> Spencer did a triple wedding. We did back at the explosion. Oh, my gosh. Spencer is so excited about the spell ceremony. He is trying to work it into, like, anything he can use it in. <laughs> Yes, John, they are murder hobos in the extreme, for sure. You put us in a but dungeon. But they were non-murdery this time. <laughs> well, yeah, like, you put us in a role-play situation. Oh, we're not going to just, like, murder the NPC we're tasked with caring for. <laughs> you put us in a dungeon full of evil creatures. <laughs> you know, it, so, things are different. <laughs> so, what did you think of Tabby? So, Tabby is the niece 
of the person who hired you to go clear out well not clear out the orcs that was the mayor that's it but is go and a, retrieve weapons of a certain dwarven form is this an old enough adventure we don't have to worry about spoilers <laughs> oh this is mine there's no spoilers there's no spoilers oh okay i thought we were playing a different thing or have you added more story to this um basically so we are going to be using the dungeon of the mad mage as a source but the overall story is my own. So okay. that is not something you can spoil. Cool. Um, I mean, I think I'm supposed to dislike Tabby, so I don't feel bad for disliking her. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I dislike her in the way... I don't... I guess dislike might be harsh. She's just... She's very good at being a teenager. We don't understand her. <laughs> We don't we don't get what what's her deal? Why is she so secretive about this thing? Um well, I'm worried she might be, you know, like controlled by an evil, you know, god or demon or something. I don't know. But I guess we'll find out. <laughs> so the characters found out that Tabby is hearing voices that speak celestial, which is an angelic language of the gods. Um and Spencer's horse could not speak celestial, but Spencer could, and tried to get the horse to translate. Um, well, tried to overhear with the horse. Well, tra- anyway, it was a kind of a mess. But um, but yeah. So the session ended with Spencer's character, the paladin, um, getting her to open up and talk all about how she thinks she's killed her parents two years ago, and ever since then has been hearing voices. And that's how that session ended. So I think she's a totally she didn't nice girl. Really kill her parents. Eh, I mean, she doesn't know this. I hope there's something magical going on, and she's not just schizophrenic. Because I don't think that we could get her the help that she needs in a fantasy <laughs> setting. Um, but you know, <laughs> it's well, it could be either one. I mean, I have been reading a lot of. Um, the uh, Way of Kings novels, and there's a lot of mental disorders in those books, but they're totally worth reading. Oh, please just read them. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to where it's going. Also, she is probably going to become a player character soon. I think I'm going to have Sammy, my niece, who I may, I may have mentioned is moving in this weekend, um, play her with some guidance from me as far as backstory and whatnot. Interesting. So. Get used to her. She's sticking around, probably. Uh, I'd feel really guilty if we just killed your niece because we find the <laughs> you created for her irritating. That would make us murder hobos. <laughs> yeah, that's not lawful good anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been lawful. I mean, I think in real life I'm lawful, but my character is not lawful. <laughs> Only Spencer yeah. is lawful. It's, he has an interesting definition of that, but <laughs> I, I I am looking forward to where the story is going. Yeah, the reason I'm doing this is because Dungeon of the Mad Mage is a mega dungeon. It's 20 levels of just giant dungeon crawl. Which with, sounded great to me, and Chris was like, no, we no. can't let Kitty have too much fun. No, 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 we're definitely going <laughs> to... I'm using it as a source. It is, but it's it's like when I was running the Dark Sun campaign. It's It's a source. It isn't the module I'm running. I find that I do a much better job DMing when the overall story is my own and I'm sourcing from other places. So that's what I'm doing here. Um, it all makes sense. Like I said, you'll be, you'll be in dungeons a lot, but it'll make sense as to why you're in the dungeon versus just, Hey, let's go kill more things. Fine. 
<laughs> Kitty doesn't need story. Just put me in a dungeon. I, I mean, like, so, I mean, it's like those, those like, rage rooms, you know, where you just, like, get to go break things. <laughs> like, that is what I need in my life. But those are expensive because you're breaking physical stuff. So I just need to, like, you know take out all of my pent-up rage from, you know, dealing with toddler all day to channel into killing some orcs. <laughs> all right. Well, I will I will throw more things in front of you that you can mercilessly kill without mercy. Um, That's a word. <laughs> but I'm also going to throw some story in front of you, too. It'll be your job to figure out what's what. Oh, story. <sighs> I'll and on that note, my way through this. Good night, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>